Lord, you are, you are seated in the heavenlies. You're right here in our hearts. Lord, you are amazing. Your love is amazing. We worship you. We worship you in spirit and in truth. Lord, I worship you because you love us so much that you gave your very life. Lord, how could we ever stop praising you? Lord, you are so good, and we have such good news to receive for ourselves and to share with the world. Lord, I'm overcome with gratitude. Gratitude to you and gratitude for the way that you're working by your spirit in the hearts of each of us, Lord. To have this size church have that many people spend days learning about how to better and more freely share the good news. God, you are so good. You are so good. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I ask that you would help us to even think more deeply about your goodness. As we hear your word this morning, Holy Spirit, open our eyes, open our hearts. Give us fresh revelation of who you are. And I pray that we would respond in such a way that we would just (laughs) go shout it on the mountain. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, I'm in tears already. So, I just thank God for what he's doing. I do. Don't you? Like, we just praise God for what he's doing. We're going to continue to look at his word this morning from the book of Matthew. So, Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to focus in on verse 7, but we're, I'm going to read through um, verses 3 to 12. So, you're there at Matthew 5 in, on your Bible app or in your um, hardcover Bible? All right, here we go. And if you don't happen to have it, um, we've got some Bibles right back there if you need a Bible, or please um, remember to bring it to church. All right, because we're here to hear the word, right? Now, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. 
Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Um, I think you would agree with me that we have a great need as humans to receive and also to grow in showing mercy. This past week, I heard a news report, um, and it was on infant mental health. I had never heard the term. I guess it makes sense, but I just never heard um, that referenced. But in the report, they talked about the tiniest and most vulnerable among us will either have good or poor mental health, in part um, because of how people will either will notice that they have a need and that they'll respond to help. Now I'm going to ask, did you get that picture? Yeah, can you put that up right now? All right, so I want you to look at this picture. That little baby crying, pouting his little lips, and that uh, tears probably pulling out of his eyes. I heard some of your reactions. I heard a, ah. I'm seeing frowns. People are actually starting to kind of mimic what they're seeing. As we study mercy today, you're going to better understand how God has actually hardwired us as his image bearers to naturally care. And the extent to which our image bearing capacity is healed, we'll be able to respond with mercy. All right. Good. The picture is gone. I don't want you looking at a sad little baby through the rest of this message. Oh, So let's um, talk about what is mercy. A definition is mercy is God's goodness in action. Mercy is God's goodness in action. It's his kindness or goodwill towards the miserable and the afflicted. And it's joined with a desire to help them. So mercy is a characteristic of God. It's a verb, so it's an action word. And um, mercy goes beyond just having thoughts of pity and moves into action. Mercy is seeing a person with a problem and loving them enough to come and take and offer help. All right? So who needs to receive and show mercy? Augustine of Hippo, also known as St. Augustine, was a theologian and a philosopher in Roman North Africa around 400 years um, after Jesus was on the earth. And he said this, he said, Mercy is heartfelt sympathy for another's distress. Heartfelt sympathy for someone else's distress. And so 
Who needs to receive mercy? Who has had distress? All of us, right? We all need to receive mercy. And then who needs to show mercy? Micah 6, 8 tells us that it's God's will for every human, every person to show mercy. He's shown you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. So why are we to show mercy? Well, it's because we are made in God's image and we're to represent him on earth and he's actually hardwired us to naturally care. I read an article this past week from a couple of professors from Azusa Pacific University out on the um, West Coast. And their article that I read was titled, Suffering with Others, a Neuroscience Perspective on Wesley's Acts of Mercy. Kind of a catchy title. Um, Caught my attention. Um, So we were just mimicking what we saw up there. We were having reactions of like frowns and pouts and um, sad eyes. Also, um, sometimes we mimic things that are um, really exciting. So, like, maybe if a um, your favorite team, and I'm not going to talk about last night's football game, but um, if your favorite team is winning, um, not only are the players celebrating, but, you know, maybe you got charged up, too, and are smiling or maybe jumping up and down. Um, that's an act of empathy, You're noticing what's happening, and you're responding similarly. The human brain has something called mirror neuron systems, which allow us to experience the emotions and even the thoughts of another person as you watch them. And so our brain's visual and motor neurons are activated in the very same part of your brain as if you were doing the action yourself. So when that little baby is crying, it actually is activating as you watch. These mirror neurons are causing you to have the same impact in your brain as if you yourself were crying. Isn't that fascinating? Mirror neurons, I never heard of them before. But um, John Wesley, the great evangelist preacher um, of the past, he actually was on to this before there was ever any science to prove it. Because what he said was that in order for us to um, love God and love others, that um, we needed to be involved in acts of mercy. They were very important, so important that he said he felt like they were more important than piety, more important than Bible study and prayer and fasting. He said those are all essential But yet, there is something that you cannot get from just study. He said, when you go and engage in acts of mercy, he said, you actually grow in your capacity to show mercy and to love better and love more. Isn't that interesting? He said, um, things like this. He said, if we um, will go to visit the sick, the hurting, the broken, go visit in the jails, serve food banks, become a foster parent. Any of those things 
where we're recognizing and noticing a need and responding in action, he says God gives a grace in us that actually expands our capacity to love others more. Fascinating. There's actually some science to prove that. And if, if our capacity, if our, as image bearers of God, you know, that's broken with sin, but as he starts to restore that, and this is a whole series on restoration, as he restores our ability to bear his image, we're going to show mercy more and more. Because he's the God of mercy. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23 in the ESV says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. His mercies never come to an end. His goodness that moves into action in response to our pitiful cries and needs. Isn't that something? What a promise. God's mercy in the Old Testament. The word in the Old Testament for mercy was the Hebrew word hesed. It's used 248 times in the Old Testament, and um, 149 times it's translated mercy. It's God's faithful, loving kindness that's consistent with keeping his covenant. The first use of the word hesed, um, sometimes they tell you in um, seminary, go back to where the first time they use that word. Sometimes there's some significance there. And the first use of the word was with the story of Lot, when God was sparing Lot and his family um, from the judgment that he was getting ready to bring on Sodom and Gomorrah for their violent sexual um, sin that was so rampant in their city. And his hesed, his mercy, pulled Lot and his family out because he was being consistent with love in covenant, right? All right. Other places in the Old Testament where um, mercy is used, there's many. But mercy seed of God came to mind in Exodus 25, verses 10 to 22, where um, God is giving the instructions on how to build the tabernacle, and particularly in this section, the ark. And so the ark of the covenant was to be there, and then there was to be this gold cover over the ark of the covenant, and then there were the two cherubim that would watch over. And this was the place where God would be present with his people in the Holy of Holies. So God's presence dwelled there in the tabernacle and in the temple. The high priest would come in once a year, and he would come in with blood from a sacrifice and pour it on the mercy seat and on the ground below. And that was to make atonement for sin. The mercy seat of God the presence of God, and all of this is a picture, a foreshadowing of Jesus. The mercy of God. God's mercy is revealed in Jesus in his life. And um, through the summer, you were looking at different segments of Jesus' life as he was God's goodness in action embodied, right? 
his mercy. And so Jesus notices the human condition, and he draws near. He's Emmanuel, God with us. And he comes to take action. And I looked through to look for that word, mercy, in just the book of Matthew, and I found several verses, and they help us to see what is this mercy. As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. That's from Matthew 9.27. Another example is Matthew 15.22. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Matthew 17:15 Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. Jesus demonstrates God's mercy as he comes and he offers healing and deliverance. He comes It's God's goodness in action in response to somebody who is in pitiful, dire need. That was Jesus' demonstrations of mercy. And then his ultimate demonstration of mercy was when he died on the cross for our sins. Jesus, being the high priest, becomes the living sacrifice. It's his blood that's poured out. In the Old Testament, it was the sacrifice of an animal. Here it is, Jesus, the unblemished lamb. His blood poured out for us to make God's presence not just available in that holy of holies, but when the curtain ripped, then suddenly the presence of God is available and he sends the Holy Spirit to indwell us and we become this holy of holies. And the mercy seat of God, think about this, his compassion now dwelling in us to be embodied in us, to be expressed through us to the world. It's received, his mercy is received by Jesus' followers, but it's a choice, right? He gives you a choice. You can resist his kindness and his acts of goodness, or you can welcome them. Every follower of Jesus receives the help and the mercy which God offers with deep gratitude when it comes to the dilemma of sin, all right? He wants to save us from sin and give us eternal life. But there's, he came to give us abundant, full life. And so every dilemma that we have of pain, of anxiety, of lies, of um, maybe some tormenting spirits or whatever, The Lord comes to offer his mercy. And his rich mercy is remembered by the church throughout time. And I found it very interesting that the liturgy, starting with the early um, Eastern churches, the Coptic church, um, the Orthodox church, the Catholic church, and even Western churches, had in their liturgy, often with communion, Let's see. Kyrie Eliasson, um, Lord have mercy. They might have that in like a responsive reading. They might have it sung as a chant. Um, but that has been part of remembering God's mercy in his saving grace. His body laid down 
as a sacrifice and payment for our sin. But his mercy is also available every day of our lives as we have misery, as we encounter situations that are hurtful. And so there's this one particular version of um, that Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy that I really like. It's by a singer, um, Egohan Hislop. And um, it's a version that sometimes when I'm having, um, maybe I'm having some anxiety. Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy on me. Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy. Lord, have mercy on me. Maybe it's a difficulty at work. Maybe it's a strained relationship. Maybe it's a medical condition. We can call on his mercy. We can sing of his mercy. God is so good. He notices us and he moves into action. And now his mercy is expressed through his body, the church, to the world. And we heard many stories of that in the evangelism conference and the ways that God met you, either met you in prayer, met you in truth, um, met you and worked through you as you were out to um, notice people who were having difficulties, were in pain, were in torment, We're sad. We're needing encouragement because of a church strain difficulty that was in decline. Somebody that's at the homeless house in Victoria, you're in your team, are available to go in and administer God's mercy. Rick Warren put together a list of a few ways that were practical ways that mercy can be expressed. And I want to just share these briefly with you because I I found that they were helpful in thinking about expressing God's mercy. The first one is mercy means being patient with people's quirks. Hmm. Anybody? No? Somebody that has a quirk? But have you ever thought that that's showing mercy, to be patient with that person? Um, <clears throat> let me see. James 3.17 says, The wisdom from above is peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It's full of mercy. All right. Mercy, number two, mercy means helping anyone around you who's hurting. You cannot love your neighbor as yourself without being merciful. And Proverbs 3.27 says, Whenever you possibly can, do good to those who need it, and do it cheerfully, is what Romans 12.8 says. Okay. Number three, mercy means giving people a second chance. When somebody hurts us, we normally want to get even. Uh, I think I mentioned poking somebody, like saying just a little sharp jab of something. Um, <clears throat> mercy means giving people a second chance. And the Bible says this in Ephesians 4:31 and 32. Stop being bitter and angry and mad at others. Instead, be kind and merciful and forgive others 
just as God forgave you because of Christ. Friends, our world needs to hear that. Our world needs to see people giving others a second chance instead of being bitter and angry that you would we would exhibit the mercy of God. Number four, mercy means doing good to others, even who hurt you. And this needs to be nuanced a little bit. This does not advocate for domestic violence. Um, But it does say in Scripture to love your enemies, to do good to them, lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. That's Luke 6, 35, 34, 35. Now, 35, 36. Do good to those that hurt you. Other places in Scripture, it says it's like heaping coals on their head. And even that can be like, oh, but isn't that wanting revenge? And no, that's actually wanting purification because you love that person enough that you want to see God's grace come. And change them. It's love. Even your motivation for being kind is because you want them to be transformed. We want Hamas to be transformed. We need to do good to those. And I'm not... There's much more that can be said about that, and I am going to mention that here in a minute. But mercy, well, let me, no, let me just say that I was watching um, an interview between some, they were interviewing some Palestinians, and then they were interviewing a Jewish woman. And the Palestinians were very angry and hurt and um, all, and the ones that are not part of Hamas but are just being used um, as cover, it's understandable. They're in dire straits. But the Jewish woman, it so impressed me that she said, they say that we want to get revenge and that we want to repay. And she said, we do not want to rape their woman. We do not want to decapitate their infants. We want peace. And we want to have safe borders. And I thought, that is really remarkable. That even is a work of the Spirit, to not want an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, in the way that would be just straight up, never, like it will just be never-ending conflict. Until there's mercy and God's intervention. Number five, mercy means being kind to those who offend you. You've got to be more interested in winning people to Christ than in winning the argument, Rick Warren says. Jude 1, 22 and 23 says, show mercy to those who have doubts even though you are afraid that you might be stained by their sinful lives. Show mercy. Be kind, 
even if somebody stands you up. You're trying to do discipleship with somebody. You're trying to show mercy. You're trying to help. They don't show up for their meeting. It would it'd be easy to be offended. And yet, be kind. It's more important to show kindness than it is to be right and to explain that your rights were offended because they stood you up. Yeah? All right, number six. Mercy means building bridges of love to the unpopular. And the example that Rick Warren draws from is from Matthew 9:13 in the New Living Translation. Um, and this is when the Pharisees were questioning, why does Jesus eat with sinners and tax collectors? And he said, I want to show you mercy, not offer sacrifices, for I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. All right. Our current world situation gives us many chances to think about people who need others to notice their plight and to come to their aid. And this is large scale, I know, when we're thinking about the world. But are we noticing Israel and what some are calling their 911? Does God generate mercy in your heart? Do you feel pity and compassion that wants to move you towards action? And I know this is hard when you think, what could I do from here? But some of you have written the president, your senators, your um, representatives, please stand with Israel. All right? Are we noticing the non-Hamas Palestinians and their plight with lack of water and food and medical supplies. Does that kind of rip your heart when you hear on the news about that? That is the compassion. That's the mirror neurons trying to imagine, and you start to imagine yourself in that situation. I've moved out of my home. I'm trying to go to the south. We don't have food and so forth. Friends, it could be absolutely devastating and make us feel helpless if we don't feel like we can do something. But Jesus sits as high priest who lives to intercede. We're here on this earth embodying his mercy. And we can do the most important thing is intercede. Lord, help those people. Help them find water. Help those those resources to be able to come in. Um, help them to turn to you. Help there to be Christians in the area that can be a witness right now. There's all kinds of ways to pray. And when we pray, God moves. He, I mean, Mary, you've told us this in, just recently. You know, when we pray, he's like a big locomotive train waiting, but their tracks have to be there. And so it's laying the tracks when we pray. Are we mindful of the people that have been taken hostage? I sit at home and I say, Lord, help me think about them right now. What are they experiencing? And then as I get ideas of what they might be experiencing, I pray about those things. Lord, help them to be safe. Lord, if they're in a place that needs oxygen, Lord, give them oxygen. Lord, if they need to be overlooked right now, help them to be overlooked. Lord, please Give them some encouragement. Help them to be with somebody else and not alone. There's ways we can pray. And that is a beautiful way to show 
the mercy of God and to act on the mercy of God so we are not helpless when we're watching the world situation. And even those that are radicalized and are fighting a spiritual battle, it is a spiritual battle. They believe in Allah. We believe in the God of the Bible. How will they ever hear or know the word unless somebody brings it? I praise God, Mary, that God gave you an opportunity to speak to a Muslim and pray for a Muslim and him say, I've never experienced anything like this. You brought the power and the presence of God and the blessings of God. And you gave the truth of God. And I pray that he receives it because mercy was extended to him. Thank you. Thank you to each one of you that extend the mercy of God and share the good news of the gospel as you go. And the needs are not just across the ocean. The needs are right here and right there and in your classroom, your workspace, your home, your families. And so the opportunities are here for our church. And I got to thinking about the people and the ministries of Gold Avenue Church. And I recognize that the mercy of God is being expressed regularly. Being expressed regularly here, just as when Jesus was on earth, except that it's more, because it's multiplied. There's all of you that are expressing his mercy. So I wanted to just give you a minute to think. Can you think of a situation where you were blessed to receive mercy from a ministry or a member of the church? And can you think of a way that you see mercy being exhibited by any of our ministries? Have you been personally blessed to receive mercy? Or can you think of a way that ministries are exhibiting the mercy of God? Anybody. We're small enough we could just name it. Yeah. Right? You've got to yell out a little louder so everybody can hear, including me. Amen. Thank you, Ray. Somebody else. Prayer ministry. Ah. Noticing and responding, right? If, if little infants have needs and we notice and we move to respond, that's an act of mercy. Not little infants are coming for prayer appointments, but whoever comes in is coming in because there's some need. And the team is there loving, noticing, and responding in the love of Christ. The compassion motivates them to action. Yeah, great example. Others? Yeah. Yeah, so the deacons meeting physical needs 
of our own congregation and the area. Action. Goodness, God's goodness moves us to action. Mercy. Yeah, so the the mercy to um, for children and there's freedom for adults too. I shift back and forth and move. Occasionally, I think about going and getting a banner. I've done it a couple times, but um, the mercy to let God's goodness be exhibited, right? She's she's so loving God and she's exhibiting that love back, expressing her love for God back through motions accompanying the singing. And then God meets us in those places. He inhabits the praise of his people, and he touches us. That's why sometimes you come in here and you weren't planning on crying, but you start to worship, and the tears start to come because he's meeting you personally, directly, with his compassion, his love, his forgiveness just like the father with the prodigal just comes and wraps his arm. He's the father with extra, right? Well, he is the father with extra, and this is a good way to segue to my last point. The mercy of God's going to be fully revealed at Christ's return. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. I woke up in the middle of the night with the word divine passive on my mind. I haven't thought about that for a while. Um, <clears throat> But it's something that I learned in Greek class. And it's when the sentence structure um, doesn't have the active tense. So an active tense would say, like, insert a name, we'll show them mercy. But instead, it says, they will be shown mercy. So who's the subject? Who's doing the action? Who's showing the mercy? The Jewish people honored God and revered his name so much that they didn't want to put his name, they didn't want to speak his name. So it's God who's holy and loving, and he's the one that's going to exhibit and going to show mercy. The mercy of God is going to be shown to all of his children at salvation. When he comes back, when Jesus returns, the mercy he's going to give is going to be their complete salvation where he opens up and welcomes them into the new creation where there's nothing broken, nothing missing, everything set right. And so, oh, the deep, deep joy of the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Praise to our wonderful, merciful Savior. Amen. Let's stand, and we're going to sing our praises back to the Lord for his good mercy.